certainly thankful for the grace that God has shed abroad in our hearts. Take your Bibles this morning and go to the 13th chapter of Romans, chapter 13, beginning in verse number 1, and we will look at the first seven verses this morning, and uh, we'll follow as the Lord leads us today. Romans 13, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read down through verse number 7. And the Apostle Paul, again, as we see these chapter divisions in Scripture, uh, we need to keep in mind that these divisions were added by the translators. Uh, So it doesn't necessarily mean that Paul is now saying, forget everything I've talked about up to this point or written about. He's continuing the thoughts we've been dealing with. And as we've exited Romans chapter number 12, we need to keep in mind the things that we've learned from that particular chapter and, of course, the other 11 chapters before chapter 12. Uh, Nonetheless, this is the 67th message in the book of Romans. And as we've been working our way through this book, uh, we've come to these most practical uh, commandments, these most practical applications. And I want you to notice how this chapter begins. Let every soul be subject to unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For 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 this cause pay ye tribute also. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Let's look at that first expression in verse number one. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. This morning, we want to deal with the subject, very simply, authority. Authority. First and foremost, Paul is not writing about pastors. These ministers of God are not heads of churches. These ministers of God are rulers. They might be government rulers. But that is a picture of those who have been placed in authority by God. Now, let's be honest with one another this morning. The the position of being a believer in this world under the present order and the way things are is very, very difficult. It is difficult to be a believer in this world. It's difficult because of our faith, but it's also very difficult because there are things that appear to us to be contrary to what we have to do. The reality is, though, we are citizens of another world. We are citizens of heaven, but we have a dual citizenship. We are not only citizens of heaven, but we are citizens of a land in which we reside. 
You are a citizen of this country. You are a citizen of this state. You are a citizen of the county. You are a member of a church. All of these things are citizens. We are, we are part of those organizations. We are loyal to Christ first and foremost. Our loyalty is to Christ. But our loyalty to Christ does not exclude us from being obedient citizens in all of the areas in which we're citizens of. We're a citizen of this country. You are not excluded of not being, just because you're a follower of Christ does not mean you're excluded to the laws and the government of the nation or the state or your county or your city. But we are loyal to Christ, make no mistake about it. What do we know about Christ? Christ in this world, for the most part, has been rejected. He is, uh, he is uh, only counted worthy to die on a cross. That's what the world mostly says about Christ. Christ deserved to die. But we are called to live godly in a world in which Satan, the prince and the power of the air, we are called to live godly even in the midst of this nation and this world. We're not to be rebels. We're not to be anarchists. We're not to say, let's lead a rebellion against all that are in authority because we don't like the present order of things. That's not of God and that's not of the Bible. Now, we know what Acts 5.29 says, and I hope you know this before I even quote it. We must obey God rather than men. I'm afraid some believers have taken this to an extreme. That does not mean in every and everything and anything. There are levels of authority that have been given to us, and we are not to be found in opposition to human government. Why? Because the Bible tells us that human government was set up by God. God sets up government. Government is not an accident. Government is not a mistake. God doesn't say be subject to the powers if you agree with it. He says be subject unto the higher powers because there is no power but of God. That means every power structure of authority you see in this world is ordained by God. Now again, you don't have to agree with it. But we do have to acknowledge that we are not to be found in opposition even to fallible, faulty human government. That includes even administrators of government who are ruled by unrighteous people. If the ruler of a nation isn't a believer, that does not negate your responsibility and my responsibility to follow the rules and the government that is established. Now, as you come to this chapter, we need to keep some things in mind. We need to remember, because you and I have no idea what it was like to live in the time in which Paul was writing. Paul's writing this, be subject to the higher powers, when a man by the name of Nero was in charge. We have never, we have never, with the exclusion of maybe, we may name a name, with the exclusion of Hitler possibly, we have never seen a more wicked ruler ever than Nero. Paul is not calling the church to rebel against Nero. Matter of fact, he is saying on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, you are to subject yourself to the higher powers. That includes Nero. 
When Paul gave this instruction concerning obedience to the powers that be, we would describe Nero as being one of the vilest human beings who has ever lived. History tells us about Nero that he was a sensuous brute, is one way man described him. He was a blatant egomaniac, a man with despicable character. The cruelties and the injustices and the unfairness would defy even our comprehension this morning if I even tried. Yet God, in his providence, permitted Nero to come to the throne and Christians, believers, would be under the authority of that man. God's providence not just permitted it, he placed him. It would be fair to say that Nero was demon-controlled. You can't read the accounts of Nero and say, this man, and it would be an accurate, fair statement to say, this man must be controlled by the devil. Yet he wore the crown of the greatest empire that the world had ever known until that point. Paul himself, we don't see him use the name, but Paul in 2 Timothy 4.17, when he's writing to the young preacher Timothy, says, God delivered me out of the mouth of the lion. Do you know who Paul was speaking of? He was speaking of Nero. Because he knew that Nero had the authority at any moment, he could have called Paul to his place and he could have removed him, but he didn't. The powers of Nero, of course, were dictated by a law. They were directed by the Roman government had laws. Sometimes we get the idea that the Romans were just kind of a free-for-all and that Nero had nothing to answer to. There was a Roman Senate. There was, they went through uh, levels of administration. Yet Nero had a thing that appeared to be it spelled ruin and disaster for anybody who was a follower of Christ. Now right here is where we begin to get all stirred up in our own minds and our hearts and say, yes, but we ought to obey God rather than man. The problem is Paul never once says in these first seven verses, I want you to rebel against Nero because he's unfair, he's unrighteous, and he's unjust. I want you to, I want you to rebel against him. Never does they say, listen, let's put out a death hit on Nero and take him out. And yet we have Christians today who believe that it's their responsibility to undo what God has placed. And yet Paul says, listen, we are living under the world ruled by Nero. Probably the most wicked man that's ever lived. What did Paul know? Paul knew what the Bible says. There is no authority except from God. Nobody is in authority that God hasn't permitted them to be there. The problem is we think we know better than God. If God is the source and the fountain of all power, then that means all authority is given by his permission. Nobody's gotten in office or got a leader of a ruler of a nation or even a town without God's permission. We think that we can do something that God did not ordain. These first seven verses refer mainly to our civil authority as citizens, but these principles are true in all forms of authority. You see, humans don't like authority. 
Uh, Children don't like their parents' direction. Husbands and wives struggle to submit to one one another. People don't like to submit to employers. They don't like to acknowledge any authority in their life. Why? Because they want to rule and lead their own lives. But the reality is, is every place of authority has been given by God. So if God has given that authority, we try to make excuses by saying, well, that person's evil. Those people abuse their power. They misuse it. They corrupt authority. You are still not given the the ability or the command to rebel since they don't do things fairly. There's a whole movement in Christianity today to try to overthrow that which God has established. Churches are not supposed to be about undermining government. They're not supposed to be about undermining authority. And a person who says, listen, we need to rebel against our authority and our government, you are in violation of Romans 13. You can argue it 10 ways till next Tuesday. You are guilty of resisting the ordinance of God. Some of the most spiteful, hateful people towards the things that God has ordained are believers. Believers are making more noise than many non-believers. Yet, we as believers are supposed to know, we're supposed to know the difference. Evil men may abuse, they will abuse. Let me just put it this way. People in power will misuse their authority at every level. Pastors misuse their authority. Parents misuse their authority. Husbands misuse their authority. That does not give us an excuse to rebel against it. So what's the challenge? The challenge to every believer and the challenge to the church at Rome here would have been what faith was required to obey a government that wanted them dead? What kind of faith would it have taken to obey the instruction that the Holy Spirit of God has now given? When they received this letter, the first thoughts probably were this. Does God know how wicked Nero is? Boy, I hear Christians today. Do do they know how wicked our nation is? So we don't like it. So let's just disregard Romans 13 and we'll do whatever we want to do. The problem is you're not given the ability to do that. And don't fall back on Acts 5.29 and say we must obey God rather than men because that is an entirely different argument that Paul is making here. Obviously, we know that there are certain crimes and certain things that if we were subjected to, we must be, we cannot obey. We know there are rules that we have to go against. We know that abortion is not something we can follow because the Bible clearly says thou shalt not kill. We understand that. And if a government forces you to get an abortion, you have to resist that. That's just an example. But government... To simply say, I don't like the laws, I don't like it because he's a Democrat, I don't like it because it's a Republican, I don't like this, I don't like that, that is not where I say I'm going to obey God rather than man. I love when people say, government's man-made. No, it's not. God made it. Government is not man-made. Now, man may misuse the government, but man is not the author of government. God is. That's what the Ten Commandments were. You say, we're not living by the Ten Commandments. We're taking Ten Commandments out of the schools. Maybe we have. That doesn't mean now as believers we can say I don't have to follow it. But what, what faith would the Church of Rome had to live under when they were being called to obey a government that really did not want them even a part of, the, part of that nation? Here's what happens. 
Governments are overthrown by others. Nations crumble. The same God that allowed Nero to rise to power is the same nation that God brought down. The Roman Empire fell. It's never recovered. It's it's never been. Did God know what was happening when he put Nero in charge? Of course he did. Did God know what he was doing when he put Pharaohs in charge of Egypt and the Pharaohs of Egypt were, were enslaving his people? It's an amazing thing. We as Americans think we don't have to follow the same principles that they did in the New Testament and the Old Testament. We can do our own thing, yet the Bible gives you no such permission. So what do we do? We become people of prayer. It's an amazing thing what would happen if you'd pray for your government instead of trying to overrun it. We can pray against tyrants. We can pray against them, not that they might be destroyed, but that God might do something through them. It's a hard saying for most of us to get. I, I understand it. But if we're in doubt, read it again. Let every soul, that's you, that's me, be subject unto the higher powers. That higher powers is not a reference to God. That is a authority figure in your life. For there is no power but of God, the powers that be ordained of God. So what Paul is doing in chapter 13 is dealing with our attitude and our responsibilities toward authority. Whether you believe it or not, an ordered society is God's way. God is a God of order. Now you can define your definition of disorder, but your definition doesn't make it so. I can say, I don't like the order of society. That's fine. I don't like the order of my church. That's fine. I don't like the order of my home. That's fine. But it's not because there's something wrong with he who ordered it. It's because there's something wrong with the person who's unwilling to submit to it. See, there's nothing wrong with the husband and wife relationship if it's followed right. There's nothing wrong with the government if it's followed right. The problem is we want it our way because we want to have the final say-so in everything. That's just how depraved we are. We don't like authority still as believers. We don't, do not like to be told what to do. Matter of fact, if someone tells us at work to do something, we say it's unfair. Why do I always get chosen? Why do I, why do I have to always do it? The reality is in this chapter here, Paul's teaching not only our obedience, but he's teaching the responsibilities and the proper attitudes. It's an amazing thing. A lot of people can be outward conformist, but hatred inward. God doesn't give us room to be outward conformist and still hate authority. Your outward conformity proves nothing except the fact that you can contort to whatever society wants you to be. But our attitude, he'll go on in this chapter, it's not just about civil authority. He's going to talk about how we ought to relate to one another. So, but this particular chapter, for the most part, in these first seven verses, primarily deal with our attitude towards civil authority. I found three reasons, and there maybe have been more. And this is more of an introduction today. I know more than an exposition. We may not even get to the exposition today. But some of the reasons that Paul had to deal with this subject, and I want you to listen to the similarities and see if you don't hear our nation in this. And see if you don't hear believers saying similar things. The early Christians, number one, were being charged 
with inciting rebellion. They were being charged with speech that at its very core was to serve the purpose to rebel against the government. There's a church out west called Westboro Baptist Church. It's not a church. It's not a church. They are promoting rebellion against the government. They boycott military funerals. They are not even Baptist. They're being accused of inciting rebellion. Well, guess what? They're guilty of it. They are guilty of it. But the believers who were not even saying anything, quiet believers who were not even inciting any sort of rebellion, were being lumped into this. It would be like us today being charged with, you are inciting rebellion because you're preaching the Bible. I will tell you this, this church will never be behind inciting rebellion against any governmental authority. But we may be accused of it. Because you know what happens? You preach this book. This book runs contrary to what a lot of the world believes. But we're not, our desire is not to overthrow the government. Our desire is not even say, you know what this country needs? We just need a believer in the White House. That's not what we're to be about. But we might be accused of that. The church at Rome was. You know, Christ himself was accused of being Caesar's enemy. Was Christ Caesar's enemy? No. But he was accused of it. And how did he respond? He did not revile them. He didn't even speak. Number two, many of the early believers were Jews. We've got to keep that in mind. They were the seed of Abraham. And in the Jewish traditions, they were taught to resent any Gentile ruler. Now think about this. There are people today being taught in their churches to resent anything that is not the, exactly the way that you believe. Again, was, were they taught that? Yes. Number three, some of the early believers also had the idea that most rulers, most governors, most people in authority were wicked, profane men like Nero. So because they're savage, because they are anti-God, because they are unrighteous, since we're the children of the kingdom of God, then we don't have to obey them because they're unrighteous. And you could not be any more wrong. You have no authority from God to rebel against an unrighteous ruler. Yet, that's what they were facing. Those three principles are still true today, to some extent. Oh, it may not just be the Jews. But there are churches today that are teaching, listen, um, you, you should rebel against anybody who goes contrary to our thought. Again, we're not talking about the principle of going against the very clear written commands of God. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. We understand those things. This is just rebelling against government. I have a preacher friend, well, not a friend. I know a preacher who has made it his goal to 
say how disappointed he is in the tax structure of the United States of America. Don't pay taxes. Fine, and when you go to jail, don't call me and ask you to get you out because you are anti-God. You are going against the very authority of God. Now, when I get my tax bill, do you think I sing rejoice in the Lord, hallelujah, thank God I get to pay my taxes? No. But if that's what the government says, and that government is ordained of God, if they tell me that my taxes are going to be 50%, I can argue all that I want. I'm not paying it. That's you resisting God. That's not, that is not, you do not have a right to go against it. Again, we as Christians, we are so spoiled, especially as Americans. We have no idea what it was like to live in the Roman government under Nero. And believers are whining and complaining about every rule the government makes. And somehow we think, well, if I was making the government, it would be better. No, it wouldn't. If God wanted you in authority, he would have placed you there. You say, well, this certainly can't be of God what the country's going through now. Really? Then who is it of? So God super, God's been superseded by man's ingenuity? No. So God turned his back for a moment and turned around and said, how did you get in office? You see, and it all comes down to, listen, the reason where the country's going the wrong direction and the reason that the, we get the wrong people in the White House because not enough Christians go to the polls and vote. You really think that's the reason? Oh, use your, use your rights as a citizen to do it. But don't think that you are going to supersede God's permission and his providential authority. Because God says all powers are ordained by me. Now, the thing that we don't like, he doesn't say who the higher powers are. Let me give you the biblical definition. Anything or anyone who's in authority over you. Wow, that includes a lot of offices. That includes a lot of levels of government. You realize that as an ordinary citizen of this nation and of this town and of this state and the city, you have a lot of layers above you. People that are actually in authority over you, who God says, even if there's one rung above you, you are to be subject unto them. They're a higher power. There are government officials that have the right, granted by God, to carry out what the government has said, this is what we're going to do. We don't always like that. Again, if it violates our conscience, morality-wise, as what God says, if we're being forced to, to have abortions, we're being forced to commit murder, then we ought to obey God rather than men. But if a man from a government official comes and gives you an order, gives you an instruction, you have no right to rebel against him. You say, what if he's doing something unfair and unjust? I can't find it. Scripturally, I can't find it. That you can say, I don't have to obey that. Because I'm of the kingdom of God. Well, you can spend the kingdom of God behind bars. Maybe God put you there to preach the gospel. That'd be wonderful. The apostle Paul was put in prison and he kept preaching, but he wasn't saying rebel against the government. Yet we have this. I just wrote down a few. Our country doesn't have kings and queens, but some countries do. Presidents, governors, mayors, military, 
police officers, whatever you call a higher power, they are vested with authority. Well, he's misusing it. He may be. Power makes people do, this isn't a theological word, crazy things. People get power and they, they lose control. How, do we, how are we subject to higher powers? What does the word subject mean? Subject does not just mean obey. This is, Christians and believers struggle with this because the word be subject is not just, okay, outward conformity. To be subject literally is to show respect, obedience, and honor that is due to their station and what they've been given the authority to do. And you obey their lawful commands with submission. That's what it is. We've got this idea that just being, as long as I obey, I can do it outwardly and I can do it with a bad attitude. Paul's not just talking about attitude here. He is talking about this is the whole nature of our being. If you really believe Romans 13, these things are not a problem for you. If you really believe all powers of God, you have no problem showing honor and respect to the office in which that person holds, even if you disagree with them. You say they're not worthy of honor. It's an amazing thing how other people are not worthy of honor, but you think you were worthy of honor and you think you were worthy of God's grace being shed upon you. You think you were worthy of it. I wasn't worthy of that. Somehow we're honorable people. That, that leader over there, he's not honorable. That, that police officer is not honorable. That military person, they're not honorable. That governor's not honorable. Look at that mayor did. It's an amazing thing. But yes, our lives are filled with honor. We're, we're, the, we're the model of what honor ought to be. Yet we realize in our depravity, apart from the enlightening Holy Spirit, we would know nothing. In the book of Titus, chapter number 3, verses 1 and 2, we're not going to get anywhere near how far I wanted to get this morning. Titus 3, verses 1 and 2, and maybe that's good. Paul writing, again, listen again, Paul knew what he was writing. Because you've been justified by grace, because you are one of God's children, this chapter deals with because you know who you are in Christ, be careful to maintain works that are becoming of a believer. Look what he says. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man. I'm telling you right now, all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, ought to be on our face before God right now and saying to speak evil of no man. How many times have we done it towards rulers who are an authority, rightful authority over us? Here's what believers like to be. To be no brawlers, but gentle. We'd rather brawl over something than be gentle. Showing all meekness unto all men. That means you show meekness even under pe to people who are not righteous like you are, righteous like I am. We show meekness to all men. Why? For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. We still are, by the way. 
disobedient, deceived, see, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the wash of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, he's getting to something with this. He's not always talking about being obedient for obedience sake, but he's dealing with something he's going to deal later about dealing with this and obedience for conscience sake. We're not even going to get there this morning. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Begin in verse number 13, really all the way down through verse 25, deals with submission to rulers. Some people like to say, well, the Bible only talks about submission to rulers one time, Romans 13. This is now the third occurrence of the principle of submitting to rulers. Um, it's going to have another word in the first verse that we're gonna, our, our spirit's going to love. 1 Peter 2, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Why? Because it's right? Because it's lawful? Because it's fair? No, for the Lord's sake. Isn't it amazing how clear the word of God is? Why are we to submit ourselves to every ordinance of man? For the Lord's sake. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence ignorance of foolish men. Do you know how much of the noise would stop? Pardon this, if we would just do well and shut up about it. Our voice, we think our voice needs to be heard to make things right. I've told you this over and over again. Social media has created a monster for believers. To me, it's one of the worst things it's ever become because it has given us the ability to say things and when we say it, we can't take it back and somebody has snapped it and somebody has screenshot it and somebody is looking at that and saying, that's a believer. And it isn't going away. You know, it's easy and we've all been guilty of this. It's easy to sit behind that little keyboard and type out your thoughts. It's easy to do it. And yet most of what we say, if we would stop long enough to think, is this glorifying God? We would find out God's nowhere near this. This is my old stinking pride that just wants to get my opinion out. I've been as guilty as the next guy. It's lack of self-control. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. Look what he says, as free, verse 16, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. It may not be liberty we use, but we say, I'm a believer and God's given me a right to stand up against evil. But as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, uh-oh, honor the king. American believers are saying, praise God, we don't have a king. Oh, yes, we do. At every level. If that's our attitude, if our attitude is, this is not for me, 
Therein lies the problem. You see, this, this setting out of, of, chapter, of chapter 13 and verse 1, which is as far as we're going to get today, this sets out, this is, the purpose of Romans 13 is not to establish what the kings or rulers or governors, what their rights are, okay? This is not about, okay, God's given them rights. Here's what this is about. This is about a God who sets up one ruler and puts down another ruler for his divine, infinite, always wise purpose. I have no idea why God has put people in leadership that he does. You do not either. It's not because you voted or you didn't vote. You should vote. But if you don't, you are not the reason for the downfall of the country. In the last election, how many times were we going to hear that had it gone the other way? Listen, if the Democrat gets in, it's because Christians didn't do what they're supposed to do. That's the most foolish thing I've ever heard in all my life. You realize if every Christian had, had filled the ballot boxes and done all of those things, if God wanted to go the other way, it would have gone the other way. And if you're now complaining about the government the way it is, and you're complaining about the leadership, and you were one of the ones that voted that direction, why are you whining? If you're a believer, just submit to the authority that's over you. You realize how much stress and anxiety you'll take out of your life if you quit worrying about things that were never meant to be in your control? You were never meant to have control over what the government does or doesn't do. And if we are believers that believe Romans 13.1, we will simply say, you know what? God's ordained this. Certain government is going to be in charge at certain places in time. Believe it or not, there have been governments and there are governments today that are so far worse than what you and I are living in. There have been people who have died overseas, people who went to battles because of certain things and things that were happening. And remember this, that even as the book of Daniel, chapter 4, I'd encourage you to read this. Daniel makes a statement in chapter number 4, and this is a paraphrase, but that God sets up even the basest of men. And at times he does that to punish the wickedness of that nation. We sometimes look at things and we say, we're not so bad. Why would God do this to us? And I'm not saying he is doing anything to us as a punishment. But the point today is, is what am I doing as far as being subject unto the higher powers? There is no power but of God. You know, when we stop and we think long enough and maybe don't speak, there would be no authority at all, anywhere, if God had not providentially permitted it. People say, I'd rather live in a place with no government at all. You don't know what you're talking about. It's always better our way, isn't it? People in marriages try it. Now, I know what God says, but you know what? I got a better way. Yeah, I know how the church is supposed to function. I got a better way. You know, this is the way it should be instead of this is what God's permitted. This is what God's allowed. 
You know, and sadly, we're not even going to get to what God says. We'll get to it. But we may, this may turn into a verse, one verse a week exposition. I don't know. We were supposed to get through seven verses today. We got through one. You know why? Because we're parked here. We're parked here because if we don't get this part down, verses two through seven will mean nothing. He'll give you warnings about if you, if you resist this, you're resisting the ordinance of God. You're not in rebellion against that government, although you are primarily, you're in rebellion against God. He's going to get into the fact that rulers are not meant to be a terror to people who do good. They're meant to keep those who are evil, pardon the expression, in check. Law-abiding citizens don't fear a government because they know God's in control of this and God's not given the government to try to reign on my parade. God has given us a government to keep evil in check. He's going to deal with subjects as a minister of God. That's why I said this is not about pastors. The minister of God is anyone who God has permitted to be in authority. Our mind's going to run through a whole lot of people. Wait a minute, that's not a minister of God. Anybody God has providentially permitted and sovereignly allowed and placed in a place of government is a minister of God, and he has accountability too. But guess what? It's not your job to worry about his accountability or her accountability. It's your job to be subject under the higher powers. Let God deal with it. Isn't it amazing how clear God's word is? Yet we say, yes, but what about? What about it? The reality here is the Bible actually says, listen, if you do evil, he is given the authority to take whatever steps necessary to punish your evil doing as a rightfully appointed government. Not if I agree with it. So if you need to be subject, which you do, do it for conscience sake. You know, the Bible talks about having a seared conscience. We don't think about that in this arena. We think about seared conscience when we look at pornography or we look at things we shouldn't or say. We don't think about having a seared conscience when it comes to truths like this. You know, you can become so seared and so centered on what you think is right that you'll begin to read this and you'll say, yeah, this doesn't include me. I don't even see this anymore. But the reality is, is this is every soul subject. So next week... Instead of promising you what verses we're going to cover, we'll come back here next week and we'll start in verse 2 and we'll see how far it takes us. I think we've got enough to chew on today and for the whole week. And I promise you, as God always does, these principles will be tested. They'll be tested today. God doesn't give us these things to say, well, that's something to ponder and consider and have a nice cup of coffee over and let's talk about the pros and the cons. He said, this is it. And if you're not, you're resisting God and you're resisting his authority. Let's stand if you would. We'll pray and we'll be dismissed in a time of fellowship.